It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, what's been going on? It has been crazy busy. <laughs> it's that time of Just year. Just like you know. Yeah. yeah. But we had my nephews over for a sleepover, oh, which was fun. a blast. How did yeah. they do? <laughs> they did very well, minus... 11 o'clock, and I had a whistle in my ear. Oh. But, uh, like, one of those plastic whistles. So it wasn't, okay. wasn't awful. He wasn't, like, Dennis the Menace, but just adorable. With yeah. It. And then last weekend, we went and did an escape room with oh, my fun. brother and my sister-in-law, and we did not escape. Uh, we were cursed. Oh. So, yeah. If anything bad happens to me, it's because <laughs> we didn't get through I, the I still want to do one of those. I've done the little, I've told you the ones yeah. just out at the beach. I've but, been looking, yeah. I looked up the Cannon Beach one. I can't it's wait cute. to take the boys to do that. We're on episode 103, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Vital Winery, a nonprofit oh. up in Walla Walla, Washington. Oh, so cool. up north. And I'm going to be talking about Christina uh, Tosi, chef, um, founder, owner, and CEO of Milk Bar in New York City. And then later about a cool nonprofit, Bakers Against Racism. Ooh, I'm excited to hear about that. A few nights ago, we had Craig's brother over, my husband. Oh, yeah. And it was fun to catch up. Keith, after working for Microsoft and other companies doing marketing, is now working as an intern at a winery. He loves wine and has gone back to school. Oh. To learn about making Very wine, cool. which I so admire That's that super, he's living yeah. his passion. And he definitely knows all about wine. I just love that he's following his passion. I love that uh, you can just see it in his in his whole demeanor. We talked about a lot of wineries, and I learned a ton. <laughs> oh, good. Um, but the one that stood out to me the most was Vital Winery, located near Walla Walla, Washington, okay. which, once again, is a huge wine area yeah. up here. Like many agricultural industries, the wine industry has seasons where there are tons of hours worked, particularly around the grape harvest, where many workers are that's when they're employed. Okay. However, that's not a year-round need, so many of the workers are seasonal. And this often leads to a lack of benefits oh, for workers right. who are not employed throughout the year. The wine industry absolutely depends on these vital workers, and since 2016, wineries and other businesses related to the wine industry in the Walla Walla Valley have taken steps to help get these seasonal employees access to health care. Oh, that's which awesome. I know. I was so excited that's when you talked really about this. That's really cool. Vital Winery, like other wineries, produces wine. The difference is how they use their proceeds. The proceeds from the sale of Vital Wine support health clinics that provide free or low-cost health services to winery workers. Almost all of the supplies, grapes, and even the production facilities are donated from other wineries or businesses oh, in the area. Yeah. So the winery is a nonprofit, and all of the sale proceeds go towards open-door, free clinics, or other health care sources for the local wine workers oh, and their families. That is really neat. Definitely a win-win. The goal of Vital Winery is to harness the compassion of our industry to cultivate the health, dignity, and inclusion of vineyard and winery workers in our local communities. Vital Winery was started by Ashley Trout, who owns Brook and Bull Winery in Walla Walla. 
She started it as a way to make the world a better place. Brook and Bowl is a luxury winery where she gets to flex her creative muscles in making wine, and Vital Winery is her way of making a difference for those people who make the wine industry even possible. Yet they don't have access to regular health care. When you account for the number of people who only work one day a week in a tasting room or three months of the year in a vineyard, it's no wonder workers in our industry don't expect round-the-year health insurance to be an option. It often isn't. It's great that these, that, that was a quote from her, it's great that these wineries and businesses are supporting this by donation of corks, bottles, grapes, and even allowing Vital Winery to use their processing equipment. He said that he's been impressed with how the wine industry takes care of each other. Wow. Which I love to hear. Yeah. They share knowledge because I was asking if they're kind of competitive with one right. another. Because um, when we went to Remy's opening, there were other wine owners there, right. which I really admire yeah. that they just kind of... You know, support each other exactly and talk shop they share knowledge will help repair equipment of each oh, other's yeah. and do other things to help their neighboring wineries i just think that's so cool keith who drinks a lot of different wines and is a self-acclaimed wine <laughs> snob he noted he admitted it um says that vital wine is pretty tasty and most of their wines are under 30 dollars. as you know it goes to a good cause so if you find yourself in Walla Walla, which yeah. I think we need to make a trip. Stop and check out the Vital Winery Tasting Room or order some online at vitalwinery.com. I have a friend up in Seattle. She goes to Walla Walla every... For wine tasting. Wine tasting. It so is. I'll tell her the place. I'll uh, remind her. Cool. Tell her about yes, that. Definitely. I've seen Christina Tosi on the Today Show, mm. you know, <laughs> over the years with her, you know, whimsical desserts. I mean... Where she mixes cereal with all sorts of ingredients, yeah. creating these so glorious, I mean, they're beautiful, mm-hmm. fun, um, mouth-watering desserts um, that even by the way, the TV, you're like, whoa. And I learned a bit more about her in episode 44 when we talked about David Chang of Momofuku. David had hired Christina to create desserts for his restaurants and became a mentor and eventually encouraging her to strike it out on her own. Christina just came out with a new book. Dessert Can Save the World, which I love the title. Uh, She draws connection between sweet treats and how they bring joy in our way of showing love. Yeah, I love, I'm with you. I love the title and I love this concept. Yeah. Baked goods and treats connect us heart to heart, really like nothing else. Dessert may not be a fuel, but it is, Christina puts it, a pure soul balm. You know, meatloaf and mashed potatoes can comfort our souls, but cinnamon rolls with cream cheese uh, frosting, mainline healing, and love straight to our hearts. I love this. My mom was, you know, was loved to bake, and cinnamon rolls were her specialty too. And there was nothing like her, you know, cinnamon rolls with a thick frosting and the gooey mm. cinnamon centers. I mean, you're going to make me hungry. It sure made me feel loved. How about you, Teresa? Did you have anything growing up that kind of was something? That brings a memory or... I remember my mom making cream puffs one time. And they were so good. And every Christmas, she would get together with a girlfriend and they would make chocolates like all day. Oh, so fun. Yeah, good memories with that. And Beaverton Bakery used to make a banana cake. Yeah. That um, we had a copycat recipe and we would make that. I I need to dig that out. That sounds was so good. I love banana Cake. Yeah, with the whipped cream frosting. Yeah. So I love that you're mentioning this because now it kind of brings gets you going. Yeah, this book definitely totally got my does. memory, and it is making me want something sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yay! 
So Christina's love of baking came from her family, too, um, from watching her grandmothers and her mom growing up. Her mom, Greta, worked hard 80 hours a week as an accountant. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and because her mom worked so hard, she made sure the moments she spent with her family mattered and were memorable. Greta was awesome at creating magic out of big and small uh, moments. Christina talked about one birthday where her mom staged a donut eating contest stringing from the chandelier dozens of donuts that Christina and her friends ate with their hands tied behind their backs. So this is where this probably started. Yeah, for sure. And her mom would put on epic Easter egg hunts where Christina and her sister Angela would throw on their softball cleats after church (laughs) and race to the backyard where their mom would be waiting with a whistle to start the egg hunt. How did the mom have so much energy? I, I just think she, 80 hours and then I know on it just wow. I think it really mattered. Mm-hmm. Every holiday was celebrated St. Patrick's Day to April Fool's Day. Greta embodied this celebration of life's moments, even at work. Uh, when she became the managing partner at her accounting firm, where it was mostly men, she would create a scavenger hunt for the staff with <laughs> clues to find their bonus <laughs> checks. Oh, that's awesome. I know. I mean, Greta's love of celebrating people and special moments began for her when she was a teen at band camp. Her fellow campers received care packages. Greta begged her mom to send her one. Finally, her mom did. She sent her tomatoes from their farm (laughs) with a note. Bring this to the mess hall. They'll know what to do with them. Uh, Greta was disappointed. And probably embarrassed. Yeah, and she brought the tomatoes to the kitchen where they added them to the cheeseburgers that night. However, you know, Greta didn't get the response from the fellow campers like, yay, Greta. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) You know, it wasn't until years later she realized her mom was teaching her the ties that bind giving and receiving. The note was saying, it's not about you, my dear. You already have everything you need. The best gift I can give you is the gift of giving to others around you, which is so impactful. I just love that. But once that clicked for Greta, it changed her life and has been her credo that the way to find joy is to give people joy instead of thinking of your own personal pursuits. Now, this, of course, had a huge impact on Christina. And as well as the baking, Christina's passion for baking really started in middle school. And she has, in the book, she kind of talks about her phases as she grows. Like, Mm -hmm. so in middle school, she was really into oatmeal cookies, uh, usually eating a lot of the cookie dough (laughs) and baking the cookies so they were underdone and gooey in the middle. Back in the day when you weren't so worried Worried about about some milk. Yeah, I was wondering about that. She experimented with cherry pie filling or granola. High school, she went through the cereal treat stage, mixing cereal like Cocoa Puffs and Golden Grahams with the melted butter, marshmallows, Mm -hmm. kind of a bit like the Rice Krispie treats. Mm -hmm. Christina loved to bring these yummy treats to school and share with her girlfriends. Uh, during college came the triple layer cheesecake stage. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, this, this I tried is like one cheesecake and it did not work out. So this is impressive. Yeah, totally. Her specialty was stacking one layer of peanut butter cheesecake, one layer of chocolate cheesecake, and then one layer of white chocolate oh my gosh. cheesecake with, as she calls it, a kilogram cracker crust. <laughs> you could only have a bite of that. Yeah. I mean, it would be so rich. Christina is an introvert, which I can relate to. And she would give out the cheesecake to friends from class as a way of saying, Hey, hi, how's it going? (laughs) And in her early days working at restaurants, she continued baking as a way to connect with her community. She went through this sandwich cookie phase, uh, making huge chocolate chip cookies, yes, underbaked, 
uh, in order to get that gooey yeah, center. That's with the best way. Yeah, with the giant scoops of vanilla frosting kind of smack between each cookie. She would bring a tray to share with her fellow kitchen mates. And her, her love of baking really is what led her to pursue a culinary career. So after college, Christina left Virginia for New York City to strike it out as a chef. Um, her first job was at Bully, a fine dining establishment, also by going to culinary school. This was a thrilling time where she worked side by side with senior pastry cooks, brothers, Octavio and Justo. I love those names. Mm -hmm. Um, They loved to give her a hard time. Um, They didn't really feel like she had the chops to go the long haul. So she's entrenched in her new life uh, and she didn't go home for the holidays. Guess who showed up? Greta. (laughs) And boy, did she. She surprised Christina at her work. In true Greta style, she made her way through the restaurant. She shook hands with everyone, introduced herself, asked their names, and wished them well, finally making her way back to the restaurant. And Christina is a bit embarrassed. Well, I I wonder. It's, yeah. Hi, I'm Greta. Her mom's maybe a little bit more. Well, obviously more outgoing, but I'm wondering, you know. What these people thought as yeah. she's walking in. They're probably the kind of taken aback. Yeah, I would think so too. <laughs> and then two days after Greta's visit, she sends a huge box with ankle Christmas socks, each stuff with a handwritten note and a candy cane and a Starbucks card for every staff member. Aww. Such a sweet gesture. And it's something Christina has adopted. And every year since, she's kept that spirit alive. Easter egg hunts to leprechaun footprints, and of course, birthday celebrations for her staff. Christina finds daily reasons to celebrate and show up joyfully for others, which she calls just bake the cake. Mm -hmm. She believes dessert isn't just meant for special occasions. It's meant for any occasion, like I signed a lease. She says, celebrate the good and the bad days. And it doesn't have to be a baked good. It could be a Snickers bar with a candle uh, in it or a note. Friend landed their first job. I like that. Me too. It's just little simple things. In her book, Christina lists 10 things to celebrate. And I love them because they're not what you would expect. Uh, A snowstorm, Mm. a great haircut, beginning something, new project or vacation. It's really anything. Desserts create joy, which in turn create memories. And she talks about a memory from her childhood about going to Dairy Queen with her dad, which... I can totally relate to my mom went back to nursing when I was in first grade. She worked the 3 to 11 shift. So um, my older siblings were out working or doing stuff. It was often just my dad and I. And I have wonderful memories of going to Dairy Queen in my dad's white Ford LTD, which was a huge boat kind of, kind of, you know, big big sedan, big sedan car. And we'd have the air conditioning going (laughs) on full blast because it was so humid in Houston. And my dad loved air conditioning. And then we'd have Neil Diamond or Glenn Campbell playing. I can just hear Rhinestone Cowboy or, you know, I just, it just, when I read that, it just, I love that. But another fun memory Christina shared was about her mom picking her and her sister up from school with a bag of sugar babies that she'd leave them on the dashboard. And when Christina and her sister dove into these packages of sugar babies, they were gooey from sitting in the sun. And maybe that's where she gets her love of gooeyness. Uh, yeah. Well, sugar babies yeah. can't go wrong when they're hard or when they're soft. They're good. Yeah. But Christina calls these moments joy trails. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Ba- so so as I talked earlier, baking for others is a legacy uh, for the women in her family. Her mom would bake treats for meeting a client to sign tax forms or bring her lemon bars to the receptionist at the doctor's office oh. when she has an appointment. 
You're probably wondering why this woman does all this. Well, because she lives to remind people of their hearts. It really has been about paying it forward mentally. Like mm-hmm. joy begets joy. Kindness begets kindness. And and I totally laugh when I read that Greta has an equivalent of a PhD in care packages. Mm-hmm. As Christina describes her mom, I guess she's sent Christina hundreds over the years. Wow. Um, packed with like new flavors of Oreos that come out or a new chocolate chips for uh, National Cookie Day or treats for her dog, Butter. Oh, what a cute name. So cute. I started doing a few of these this year, care packages, to kind of connect with some of my family and friends that I haven't seen because of COVID. I've been doing kind of an organ theme. Mm-hmm. I found these cards that have like the PDX carpet on the background mm-hmm. with Mary Jane's like standing on oh, them. Uh-huh. And it just says greetings from Portland. But it's just kind of a little way of saying, you know, sending some love mm-hmm. to some people. Thinking of you. Yeah, just thinking of you. So early on in Christina's career, she was a bit of a rule breaker. And I love this. At 21, when working her first job at Bully, she was surrounded by serious cooks. Uh, in her upbeat style each morning, she would say, good morning, you know, to no response. <laughs> How could no one respond? Uh, they were just That's like rude. working, you yeah. know. She said she quietly stuffed down her cheerfulness, put her head down and worked. And then one day she said, Greta didn't raise her to dim her light. I love that. Mm -hmm. To dim her light because someone else wasn't feeling it. Heck no. So she kept trying to reach out and chat them up. Plus, she ditched the standard white chef cap for a colorful headscarf tied around her head with a floppy bow from scraps of fabric from her grandmother, which later kind of became her trademark and a form of self-expression that she really extended to her mm-hmm. staff, which, you know, gives me those. Rosie the Riveter vibes, mm-hmm. Teresa. Which I love. So Christina began at David Chang's Mamofuku uh, running operations by day, and then at night she would bake. Oh, my gosh. She gets her energy from her mom. Yeah. So this, yeah. And then David asked her to make a dessert uh, for the opening night of his restaurant, Co. Christina did a riff on panna cotta, which is basically flavored milk set with gelatin. Instead, she took a box of cornflakes, poured them on a, a sheet pan, and caramelized them in the oven. Once they cooled, she let them steep in whole milk. Then strained the cornflakes, then added the gelatin and some salt, and then popped them in the fridge to set. And I guess she's so nervous about what he'd think of them, she placed them on his desk and quickly left. Upon tasting her creation, he said, this is it. And Milk Bar was born. So she opened Milk Bar in 2008 next door to Mama Fuku. And Christina underestimated her opening, thinking it would be a slow, mellow day. She had a line at 6 a.m. around the corner. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was an instant success. Instant hit, yeah. Yeah. She had grueling days, starting at 4 a.m. to bake and closing at 2 a.m. Because kind of that's what you do if you have a shop in the East Village of New York City. (sighs) Fortunately, she was young, so, you know. You uh, can't do that forever. No. She definitely had her share of bottlenecks, as she puts it, as the business grew. One was for the demand of cookies outpaced their production Mm -hmm. speed. They were burning through the metal cookie scoops that had a life of around 3,000 scoops. This was hard for Christina to let go of hand scooping and to move to like a custom cookie scooping machine that could keep up with the growing demand. Uh, The delivery of this cookie, cookie scooping machine was dependent on a guy named Carl, who it was a bit difficult to work with. And Christina wrote about her method of the sweat down, um, where you methodically call weekly to touch base, keep it casual and light, meet their no with a new idea or solution, find your in, 
make it funny, and above all, celebrate the progress with them. I just love this. And so finally, uh, Carl conceded to meet their holiday deadline. It's like she makes a recipe for yeah. how to even interact with people. Yes. Or her. Yeah, it's just cool. Very yeah. cool. And I just admire how she just seems to put a positive spin on almost any situation. She just has that, I don't Gift, know. Yeah. yeah. As the business grew to multiple locations, as well as creating a line of packaged cookies and ice cream, that is distributed in uh, grocery stores nationwide, Christina still kept the heart and soul of milk alive. She wrote about after opening her L.A. store, she answered the phone, and the store was closed for a holiday. The woman um, on the other end said she forgot her son's Dylan's birthday and was desperate. Christina didn't say, oh, sorry, we're closed. Instead, she told the woman to come by in an hour. Then Christina and her staff proceeded to fill bags with pies, cookies, soft-serve pints, and cake truffles, Clearly more than a family of four mm-hmm. could take down. Plus, she had her staff sign birthday cards for Dylan. The woman was overjoyed. Yeah, and I th- can see why. Yeah, so and sweet. I know, and thanked them profusely. And I love Christina wrote the reason that she said yes to Dylan's mom is the reason she keeps up the practice of saying yes when people call. It is a catalyst. Christina believes that the things that just take a little more effort are always the ones that are most worth it. Now, Christina is married to restaurateur Will Gordero. He co-owns um, 11 Madison Park and Nomad Restaurants in New York and L.A. They just had a baby girl in March, Frankie. Mm. It's a cute name. And then during COVID, Christina started Bait Club live on Instagram every Monday at 2, which I checked out. And she's so fun. She's like dancing. She has a fun playlist. She gives the ingredients the day before. And it's drawn folks from all over. And she says she has a hilarious good time playing in the kitchen alongside tens of thousands of other insider outsiders learning a recipe. Oh, that's adorable. I just, I so admire this woman's creative baking style, her rule breaking both in her recipes and self-expression with her funky headscarves, but most of all her um, optimistic spirit. She talks about being raised to express her quirky, unfiltered self. And to be a service uh, to the hearts of others. Her mom taught her the spirit of dessert. And Christina points out that that may not be for everyone. Find your own version of dessert and live it. She suggests you use nostalgia as your roadmap. Christina's philosophy behind her book and her brand Milk is rooted in love. Through the pursuit of bringing joy to others through dessert. Which may sound fluffy to some. However, I was really blown away by by her message i mean of showing others you know showing love to others by celebrating life's moments Mm -hmm. the good the bad the big the small and i believe that celebrating these moments is a way of fully showing up to friends or family or even strangers it is simple acts and truly makes and makes a difference and above all it creates joy so true i love that how you recover from failure defines who you are christina tosi I love learning more about Christina Tosi from her new book, Dessert Can Save the World. While reading her book, I came across another awesome baker and social justice activist, Chef Paola Velez. Paola is from New York with Dominican heritage, and she worked with Christina at Milk Bar. Mm. Paola co-founded the organization Bakers Against Racism, as well as a donut pop-up shop, Dona Dona, in 2020. Oh, cute. Really cute name. Dona Dona raised $1,100 for 
Iunda DC, an organization providing social and legal support to DC undocumented workforce. Before that, but after the murder of George Floyd and, you know, the world kind of fell mm-hmm. apart, Paola felt she needed to do more. This, around the same time, Chef Willa Polina um, reached out to, see, to her to see if they could host a similar pop-up to Dona Dona to support the Minnesota Freedom Fund. The Minnesota Freedom Fund pays criminal bail and immigration bonds for those who cannot otherwise afford it. Paola felt a bit overwhelmed. She wrote up a mission statement and several details of how to bake at that scale and raise funds. Needing more support, she re- reached out to Chef Rob Rubba um, as a creative mind to handle the graphics, and he also helped co- co-found the movement. Paola created a website, Bakers Against Racism, was then born. Her hope was to collectively sell 150 pieces of one dessert and price it at $8 each to raise $1,200. She thought if we asked everyone to participate and collectively, um, we could raise 96000 The scale of the project seemed a bit daunting, but the international movement for Black Lives Matter fuels the sense of urgency. And I read that they said, we are armed to fight racism with the tools we know how to utilize, our food. Oh, that's awesome. Their mission resonated with thousands. Since its beginning, Bakers Against Racism has more than 3,000 people participating from over you know 200 plus U.S. cities, 40 states, and then four continents have participated wow. in one of its global bake sales, raising over uh, $2.5 million for social justice causes All from one worldwide. lady just having this idea. Yeah, and some, doing something you're passionate yeah. about. Yeah. Bake sales have played a role in political movements before. Uh, Georgia Gilmore Club sold peach pies, pound cakes, and hot meals to support the Montgomery bus boycott. Mm. The Montgomery bus boycott began December 5th. 1955, after Rosa Parks, an African-American woman was arrested for Mm -hmm. refusal to give up her seat to a white person. So, uh, you know, it's been in our, it's been in the history, yeah. yeah. Now, Bakers Against Racism have launched a bake sale for for people in Ukraine. And I love their hashtag, bake the world a better place. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. So there's something about bake sales that bring people together, even on a global scale. I mean, it's so cool. And at the same time, raising money and awareness for social justice worldwide. Good find. No one has ever become poor by giving. Anne Frank. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.